This is Plan B, Episode 2, for April 16th, 2013. Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show contemplating the future and present of Bitcoin with insights for the novice shop talk for the expert and opinionated discussion for the interested observer of all things Bitcoin and related technologies. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. Well, guess what? We have a big show today. Oh, big show. Really big show. We had uh, a lot of good responses too from last week, so that's kind of like a good energy to roll into the next episode with. So I think it's going to be a good episode. And uh, if you've tuned in live, you guys got to hang out with us during a pre-show. I want to. We weren't really clear about this in the last episode. I want to make it official. We now have an official live time, and that's 2 p.m. Pacific over at jblive.tv. Now, I know what you might be thinking to yourself right now. 2 p.m. Pacific? I don't know what that is in my time. Well, that's okay. We put it in the show notes. It's 5 p.m. Eastern. It's also 9 p.m. GMT. Just go over to jblive.tv, and you guys can join us. Now, uh, this week, uh, we thought we'd start with the feedback. So, uh, Drew, I've picked out a couple, and actually you picked out a couple, too, and I just went and grabbed them. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So why don't I start with our first email, okay? No. All right. So then we'll jump into the news, and we'll jump into, at the end, uh, which seemed like to be maybe our number one uh, topic last week, Litecoin. Yeah. People seem to really like the Litecoin stuff, so we're going to have a little more Litecoin talk at the end. But first, let's read Brian's email. He says, could you guys talk about the different exchanges a bit? Hi, Chris and Drew. I want to know more about the exchanges. For instance, when I look at other exchanges, the prices are a bit different. I haven't been following the BTC news for the last year or so. Also, can you show the various charts that are available? I used to check Gox live back in the day, but they don't seem to be available anymore. And then he goes on to mention the charts a bit hard to read and uh, things like that. So Brian's experienced something that uh, was really apparent during the big crash that happened last week while our show was kind of (laughs) going going on the air. It's been a hell of a week, Brian, since then. So you've probably been kind of looking around, I would imagine. Um, And uh, yeah, I I agree the Mt. Gox chart itself isn't necessarily the best. Now, Drew, I know you don't try to, you try not to obsess over the price. (laughs) I I, I haven't, uh, I haven't got the Mt. Gox one to work very consistently. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I go there, it's it's often down, and I, don't, oh, well, I haven't seen that. it associated with the lag time or any downtime for Gox. But other charts seem way better. Like, what kind of charts you use? Bitcoinity the most, right? I love Bitcoinity Me a too. lot. Bitcoinity.org/slash/markets is good. Uh, Bitwatch is pretty good. It's a dipodoc.us/slash/bitwatch. And what I like about this one is it kind of gives you a different way to look at some of the data, which is kind of handy. Um, so that's a good one. Uh, Clark Moody. Very good one. Uh, I love the Clark Moody one the most, and it also supports sound. So if you just search for, uh, <clears throat> or just go to bitcoin.clarkmoody.com, and uh, it, it it has, what the, okay, the one thing I have about it is, it, one thing I like about it a lot is it's got one of the best graphs, and you can do a lot with this graph. You can really kind of uh, get a get a good snapshot of uh, right now or uh, the long the long scope. 
Uh, but the other thing that it does that I, I like a lot, a lot, it uses you can hide the chart completely and you can just look at a real-time long order book, which I think is sweet. So you can see where orders are being inserted in real time and being removed. You can see like literally how how long how how many cells are there before we hit 70 or before we go low, go below 70 and you can just watch that in real time and off to the side it'll show you in real time the sales too which i like a lot and <clears throat> while we're now we're while we're talking about Clark Moody check this out here i'll uh, i'll turn on my sounds and if i go into the uh, into the uh, it was show controls yeah i can say play sound and it'll it'll trigger a little sound every time uh, Plug that in. Every time there's a sale or a purchase, there we go. So there's a purchase, and so that's got a certain tone to it. So you can have it going in the background if you're really obsessed, and without even having to visually watch what's going on, you sort of instinctually get a feel for the load based on or, or for the volume of and transactions, and if they're good or bad. Like, I so you can so right now, like if that was running in the background, I'd be like, oh okay, we've had a couple of we've had a couple of buys. Price is going up. But then in a few in a few seconds you can start hearing some lower dings. And when you hear the lower dings, then you know the price is going down. And what's freaky is, is sometimes it goes crazy and you get a whole bunch of them. And like when there's a big sell, it's just ding 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 ding. So that's kind of fun. And you can you can sort of adjust it in so you can say play sound for every 10 uh, Bitcoin sold, uh, you know, play a sound for every for every thousand. So it doesn't bother dinging you unless there's a major amount of volume, which is a bit a little bit more indicative of maybe a big market move. Uh, so that's uh, Bitcoin.ClarkMoody.com, and so I I like them a lot. And on top of that, they've also branched out and they include Bitfloor too. So it's not just Gox; it's also Bitfloor. Now Bitcoinity does that as well, but. Uh, and yeah. Bitcoin has a little link on the top right too to, to make it uh, like a it inserts text descriptions of each graph to make it kind of easy to learn how to actually read them. Yeah, Bitcoinity I think wins the most points for being the easiest to read. So if you're looking at it, it's got uh, it's got a nice visual look to it. It's got um, a lot of information on the right hand side of the most recent transactions. I like that. Plus, it's got uh, you know a Bitstamp, Bitfloor. It's got it's got several different exchanges and several different uh, you know it's got the euro up there. It's got the Canadian dollar up there. Um, so that's nice too. So uh, I mean they're both really you can get historical on Bitcoinity too. Bitcoinity is the one that I think has some of the best visual appeal. But I love the features of Clark Moody. Like if you really want to look at uh, I have I have like a ton in here. But if you really want to analyze the, uh, see, you hear the sounds there with Clark Moody? I mean, come on, that's good times, right? So there's that. But if you really want to look at the chart on Clark Moody, that's where some of the power is. Boy, listen to that mm -hmm. thing go. See, people are buying. People are buying. <laughs> come on, come on. It's a good day for Bitcoin. Yeah, if this was playing last week, uh, it wouldn't have been, uh, nobody would have been, nobody would have been able to hear us. Yeah, it would <laughs> just all, those all, dings. all sells, all sells. Uh, so that kind of maybe. so what's nice about that, Brian, is you can use that to look at several of the different exchanges. And you guessed it. There are people that are out there that buy on one exchange and sell on another exchange. Happens a lot, especially when the price is fluctuating a lot. Now, when it starts getting up high, a lot of the times the exchange is lower volume. It's it's kind of like diesel gasoline here, in the, at least in the United States. Like diesel takes a little bit longer to go up in price, and it also takes a little bit longer to come down in price. Um, Bitcoin is sort of like that on the lower volume exchanges as well, I would say. Uh, all right, Drew. How about now that we've covered like something that helps somebody, maybe we should swallow a little criticism. Are you oh. are you prepared? Put yeah, your shields up. <clears throat> Bring your it shields on. up. <laughs> so first of all, I love the username. Uh, PPC coin is better than Bitcoin rights. Uh, good stab at a first show, guys. Here's my reaction. Take it uh, for what you will. 
Uh, I'd like less clips of news people being silly. It makes this show just feel like a different spin of Unfilter. I don't watch cable television because I want to avoid that stuff. I stopped watching Unfilter because that show is basically news clip real now, and it sucked to hear that on this show too. You know, <clears throat> I think we're, I'm going to keep some clips because I think it's very important to document, especially at this stage in Bitcoin's life, uh, how the media is covering it. And also, it gives us an opportunity to sometimes respond to FUD that's going out there and give us some corrections. And also also maybe point out people who are proponents of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and are actually helping the cause overall and give them a platform as well. So I don't, I don't think it'll, it'll never get as clip-heavy as on Filter unless something, <clears throat> some special occasion. But I don't think the clips will go away completely. Uh, then they wanted to, he wanted to give you a hard time for your mic, Drew. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, we tried, man, because uh, Chris was was kind enough to send me a, uh, a a pretty nice mic, but it doesn't work. Yeah, so it, like it was DOA, yeah. So uh, we're on a backup mic this week, but hopefully maybe next week. You know what's crazy about that is I even paid for like the Amazon Superman shipping where they've actually grown superhumans in a in a lab just to fly components. They, like they don't, don't just chuck them across the country? <clears> no, nice well, for, you know, for the price, they better be growing superhumans and then having those <laughs> superhumans with flight capabilities bringing them to you personally. So, uh, yeah, those are all criticisms, though, that we wanted to consider. And uh, don't worry about the clips too much. And also, uh, we'll be working on Drew's mic more and more. It's, even, it's already better this episode. So Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with the other one. But yeah. soon, I will you know, sound like crap. Uh, you know, I don't have the right link in here, but you got into uh, a debate on inflation <laughs> in the subreddit. Yeah, yeah. Did you um, want to save that for later in the show, or did you want to talk or cover that now? Um, we'll save it for later. Okay, because I know you have some notes down there. But I guess that's a good way to introduce the subreddit, by the way, planbshow.reddit.com. Just go to planbshow.reddit.com to uh, join the community, to send us links and get in a nice uh, comment war with Mr. Drew. <laughs> <laughs> I went nuts. I went absolutely crazy. But uh, I, I was going to respond. I can't remember the dude's name, but I was going to respond. I had something written up, but I got a little bit too drunk over the weekend. So I uh, just kind of let it, let it slide. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right, man. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you got to get the, uh, the energy out somehow. Um, all right, and then we got another email, and this one came in from, and then we're, then we're almost done with the feedback. It came from Zane, and uh, Zane says, hey guys, loving the beta of Plan B. When are you going to put this thing on the JB calendar? Thanks for bringing the best BTC podcast to the net. Sincerely, Zane. So it's up on the calendar now, so if you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, that's where we'll update when the show is live. If you want to join us, we invite Zane and everyone else. And then one last little bit of public service before we move on. We want to bag a little. We want to bag you guys a little bit. If you could help, one of the ways, and I know not everybody out there is an iTunes user or is even a fan of iTunes and hates it all together, but one of the realities of podcasting is it's a number one way that new podcasts are discovered by new audiences. So Plan B is now in the new and up and coming, or somewhere it's like new, the new and noteworthy, or some some section in the tech section of iTunes. And if we could get some of you guys, we have it linked in the show notes. So you don't have to go search for it. You just click the link. Uh, if we could get you to rate and comment. That what that does is that's how you game the iTunes. Well, not game. That's not the right word because <laughs> then they won't feature us if I say that. That's how you suggest to the iTunes algorithms that this show should be placed well, and then other people can find it. And then we're helping spread the word about Bitcoin. We're helping people discover a new show. Helps us. It's, it'd be really awesome. So if you guys wouldn't mind going into iTunes, I know, I know, uh, but it, you know what? They're they're the ones that uh, got to it. They the first mover advantage over there at iTunes, and so. Uh, if you could help us out, we'd appreciate that. We have a link in the show notes. It's just the audio feed that's in there right now. And then, of course, if you're on iTunes and a happy iOS ecosystem user, you can just subscribe right there now and uh, get it automatically on your device. So thanks, everybody. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. And one last little piece of business before we move on. We have a phone number now. 
If you want to call in to the Plan B show, we'd love to get your voicemails. Or you know what? Well, we're even going to just this is a this is just a test. I say we we accept text messages too. Yeah, sure. Why not? Right? I mean, that might be like a real super quick way to give us some feedback. It's one three five two five eight seven fifty two sixty two. We'll have that in the show notes, but that actually spells if it's 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 three fifty two fifty eight Plan B. Oh, very clever. Right? 352-58-PLAN-B. <laughs> nice. So you can text that or you can call that, and uh, that'll go to an inbox that Drew and I share, and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. And <clears throat> you can give us suggestions for the show if you want to make a quick correction, and uh, you know if we screw something up and you want to tell us about it, that's a great way to do it. You're, we're, we're definitely, so just so you guys know, any time we can hear a different voice on the show is always a win for us. So we're going to bring in voicemails all the time. So if you want to get something on the show, the voicemail is kind of like a first-class ticket to make it onto the air. Uh, all right. Why don't we jump into our discussion section where uh, we have some good news to start out with. And I think this story just kind of hit today. And it'll probably be, by the time most people are hearing this show, pretty, pretty well-known common knowledge at this point. But uh, Coin Coinbase, up on their blog has posted uh, the news from OkCupid that they're going to start accepting Bitcoins as a method of subscription payment over at OkCupid, the dating site. Yeah, I mean, cool stuff. You don't really seem to... Uh, uh, well, <laughs> I, didn't, I actually didn't know what it was before this, but as long, as long as Bitcoin is being accepted by more people as a means of exchange, like that we can actually purchase more goods and services, like, you know, that, that's going to help the price, it's going to help the penetration of Bitcoin, you know, across the board, and it's going to give it more legitimacy, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, I think all these types of online services are prime candidates for early Bitcoin adopters. Um, <clears throat> all the things you said, of course, it's kind of funny... Um, uh, okay, Cupid tweeted out that uh, they're now accepting a Magic the Gathering uh, uh, coin. Oh, I'm sorry, we meant Bitcoins. They actually literally tweeted that. Um, Very clever. Yeah. The other kind of the other there's been a there's which has been interesting in the wake of the Bitcoin crash of you know a quote unquote crash of uh, of the drop from the high of 260, to which is now at about 68 dollars as we record. It's been all over the place. Uh, there have been more companies announcing accepting Bitcoin this week than I have ever seen following Bitcoin since 2011. Like literally, OKCupid's one of dozens that I've seen in just the last couple of days. Uh, another one I saw announced today is MetArt, the uh, the high class, highbrow, more artsy kind of porn. I don't, I don't know if there's, oh, I don't know if yeah. they have like a, I can't show it on the screen because <laughs> their homepage is full of boobies, but yeah, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, of course not. But those really super classy ones, uh, they are now accepting uh, Bitcoin. And I think, I think the idea that maybe Bitcoin's being accepted by porn or Silk Road kind of makes people a little uncomfortable. How does it make you feel? I mean, I mean, that's what really got VHS to be the dominant, you know, uh, media type so if, if porn really takes hold which they definitely should because it's a great medium for it i mean it's a great way to well <laughs> I'm, 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 i know i agree with you and don't you've got to figure chargebacks or probably you know oh that i didn't i didn't i did not oh, i didn't I know, put that right? on my credit yeah. card that's not mine honey that's <laughs> gonna be a huge did, problem right <laughs> most definitely my wife did not find this bill <laughs> i didn't do it <laughs> i mean the reality is is right now bitcoins are uh, can be sneaky money. You know, people can have a little. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that have a little bit of money in a wallet. I, I just guessing, and they they have a little bit of money to spare to toss at things like this, and it's perfect for that kind of thing for them. 
Yeah, it has to be a huge hurdle to be, like you know put your credit card out there to any of these sites because you, you know they can't they wouldn't seem very trustworthy you know by their nature. So the fact that you can just you know toss a couple coins their way and, and get like you know a free access download or a little a little pass to the site. Well, now isn't this a whole other interesting aspect to it? Because as a customer, one of the things that we always have to face now in the web is people getting access to some yeah. e-commerce sites database uh, and getting credit card. Right. Well, with Bitcoin, so what? Yeah, it doesn't matter doesn't matter at all like so i mean yeah if, if one of these sites has their database linked with all their with a with you know like an email address and plain text you know that wouldn't be very too, too very good or very good i mean because you're going to be putting your email address on resumes and stuff like that so yeah i mean if this is indexed you're in a tough spot with it you could be completely anonymous you could you know you could you could it really it, i think it is huge for the porn industry and i would argue the porn industry has was huge for uh, not just uh, VHS, but for the web and broadband oh, yeah. and pushing what what uh, it can be. I don't want to say loaded down pipes, but you get where I'm going with that. So there's been if you follow uh, the uh, Bitcoin talk forums or the Bitcoin subreddits, just tons of companies almost to the point literally now where there's posts saying, OK, guys, remember, don't yell at people for coming here and announcing they're accepting bitcoins. This is a good thing. I know it's getting a little spammy, but remember, remember how we want this? Like it's gotten to that level now. So I think right, that's yeah. awesome. Um and uh yeah, they okay, keep going on to say they're proud to announce they can now uh, find true love by using bitcoin. So I think that's awesome. All right. Now, I I want to cover a story that I think is probably the biggest piece of fud that bitcoin has seen in um the last few months, and I think it's probably going to be one that sticks around for a long time. I think it's going to be one of these issues that people, it's going to be like one of these myths that comes up about Bitcoin that no matter how many times you come at it with different angles of logic, people are, it's just going to be one of those things that people parrot. And I'm talking yeah, about, yeah. do you know what story I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Bring it on. Talking about this, uh, this I think Bloomberg had the worst headline, but lots of different uh Different places carried it, but their headline was, Virtual Bitcoin Mining is a Real-World Environmental Disaster. Oh, my goodness. The Washington, Brace yourselves. Right, I know. The Washington Post said it teaches us about the true use of the Internet's, of the Internet's energy use. And then they quoted, uh, essentially, all of this comes from estimations that Blockchain.info keeps updated on their sites all the time in real time over at Blockchain.info. Uh, where they track uh, Bitcoin mining, and one just is one aspect of what they track, and they look at hours that have been mined, and they try from that to extrapolate the total cost of electricity. So they look at how many people are mining, estimated, total gigahashes, that likely is estimated, how many watts per gigahash are likely being used, again, estimated, and then what that cost per watt is on an average around the nation, right? So like mm -hmm. here in Washington, where energy is super cheap because we're hydro, it, it obviously wouldn't be very reflective for us. And then they take that and they say, okay, now if you take that and you do it, that means that there's about $147,000 of electricity used just to run the hardware, assuming an average of $0.15 cents per kilowatt hour. They claim it's enough to power roughly 31,000 U.S. homes or about half of the large hydrogen collider. So I guess the large hadron collider is a, is a uh, double the environmental disaster. It's I a guess, monster. Right? Now, um... <laughs> This uh, this is being covered by uh, a lot of the different uh, press sites, but I wanted to take the let's let's go at with a tech podcast, tech news today. Tom Merritt uh, hosts that show. It's a good show. It's daily, and he's a Bitcoin. Uh, uh, he's at least 
he's very familiar with Bitcoin. He was on the uh, a pretty well-known Steve Gibson episode, and he holds a few Bitcoins. But I want to just cover, I just want to play their coverage, and I think it'll set up kind of what we're going to hear in the future. So the idea is that to run computers to find these Bitcoins is increasingly taking a lot of power. Blockchain.info is a company that tracks Bitcoin-related data, estimates that miners are using 1,005.59 megawatt hours of electrical consumption each day in pursuit of new Bitcoins, which is costing about $150,000 in power costs each day. Okay, so you hear the tone here, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's a you know it's a panic, it's a crisis. Yeah, hundred fifty grand though, it's not uh, very significant. It, it's it's like this. It's yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. So we'll, I don't, but we'll move on. However, if you can generate four hundred seventy thousand in Bitcoin related revenue each day, it becomes worth it. Robert, is this an environmental uh, meltdown? Uh, absolutely. Uh, we know. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's a in crisis. The it's a meltdown. Price. We're always crisis. taking a look at how much power certain processes take. And this is one of these things that's going to get worse and worse and worse. As you mentioned, right? Going to get worse and worse and worse. Now, the blocks are relatively easy to unlock. Even a, a high-end PC with, say, quad GPUs in it can, can unlock a block or two a week. And that will actually make you money. But as we unlock more and more of those blocks, it gets harder and harder to unlock them, which means you're going to be spending more, more and more CPU cycles. I believe the number was, uh, as you mentioned, 1 million, uh, what, 1 million 5,000, megawatt hours, or, or I'm going to call it 1.21 gigawatts. It takes 1.21 gigawatts a day to do all Roughly. this Bitcoin mining. Mm -hmm. And slowly, that's going to unlock fewer and fewer Bitcoins. It eventually will reach parity, and then it will reach a point at which it's more expensive to mine them than you, you recover in the Bitcoin currency. All right, so I cut it off there because they just keep going on and on, and they talk about how they're going to rent out NVIDIA compute clusters and go to town on it, which obviously they have no idea what they're talking about. But <clears throat> So here's a, here's a couple of fundamental flaws that I have with it. Um, and, I, and then I'll, I'll let you give I'll let you chime in here, uh, Drew, is... Uh, I, I think that sort of like you have these people who are doing these armchair commentary and they have no understanding of how the technology works or where it's going. Right? I mean, would you, would you yeah, well, they, should, they, should print, they should present these things, you know, side by side with, with other kind of, you know, activities that people engage in consistently, right? To, to at least get some scope for, you know, 150 grand, he's talking about 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. It's like you, we need to put that in context at the very most so people get an idea because it sounds absolutely insane if it stands on its own, right? 1.21 gigawatts. Right. Well, of course, he's exaggerating. Um, and, and then, okay, then it, it also operates on a couple of assumptions, right? It operates under the assumption that, like he said there at the end, mining is going to become so difficult that it'll become unprofitable. Well, if that was the case, then people would stop mining, right? Because mm -hmm. it's right. not profitable. Right. So then the problem would self-correct because people would stop mining and the power usage would go down. So either so if you just go with his own conclusion to his statement, it actually is a self-correcting problem. But of course, if you actually monitor and observe the technology, you will realize that CPU has gone away and now GPUs are fading away in the uh, you know large clustering of, of Bitcoin mining. And when those GPUs begin to fade away and transition over to ASICs, which are proving to be more energy efficient, although 
in the case of Butterfly Labs, maybe not as energy efficient as they were hoping, but they are proving to be more energy efficient. These GPUs, some of them will just completely go offline. Some of them will switch to other cryptos. But it's a problem that, based on the fundamental economics of Bitcoin, is incentivized to correct itself because the cheaper you make mining, the more profits you make. And the way you make mining cheaper, the fundamental <laughs> way you make mining cheaper is you use less power. Correct, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's basically obsoleting, you know, certain aspects that are, you know, I don't know quite how to say it, but... And I, I think now uh, BD is going to jump on me in the chat room for saying this, uh, but the comparison obviously is made to mining precious metals, right? And that right. is obviously, there's a certain environmental cost of pulling precious metals out. And I think you could make the argument that the further and longer you mine those metals, the more, the, the higher that environmental cost becomes. Whereas with Bitcoin, it could quite literally be the, I mean, once once we've mined everything, I would I would imagine there's going to be a dramatic uh, uh, reduction in power use. But even as just the technology gets better and better, there's going to be a dramatic reduction in power use. That's how freaking technology works. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, Bitcoin mining is becoming much more efficient, as I'm sure, especially relative to mining precious metals, right? So it, it's, it's, it's much, it's passing at least other mining methodologies for, you know, precious metals and actual physical goods at, at, at a pretty good rate. So it's, it's basically improving itself. It's correcting this problem that everybody, everybody is, you know, clamoring at it for. It's also a, a bunch of nonsense that's based on a ton of assumptions and estimations that blockchain is putting into that system. I mean, yeah, it is right. like it's it's funny money. It's 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 just funny. It's it, their numbers. It, their the, the number they quote in there that one hundred and fifty thousand a day. That's funny money. I mean, we don't really know if that's what it is. You know, those yeah, people and, could and, have air conditioners in their house too. I mean, we we have no idea what the fact to say it's thirty one thousand. The draw of thirty one thousand homes uh, is completely arbitrary because it's all based on arbitrary numbers that are just estimated. Yeah, the dollar value doesn't really matter that much, right? If it's an environmental issue, the cost, the, the monetary cost, is pretty insignificant. If it's really, you know, an environmental disaster, they should really focus on, you know, the, the actual, uh, the actual power, cons you know, the consumption, not, not really the dollar value. It doesn't really matter at all. Okay, Jaron, let me tell you what Gavin Anderson said. Now, Gavin Anderson, he's the, the titled now. He's now titled as the Bitcoin Architect over at the Bitcoin Foundation, and uh, now the Bitcoin Foundation, if you are familiar with, is uh, he, oh, I'm sorry. He's the chief scientist, the chief scientist That's over at cool the Bitcoin title. Foundation. Yeah, it is. Uh, which the the Bitcoin Foundation might remind you of the Linux Foundation. It's a group modeled after the Linux Foundation that aims to provide some organization to Bitcoin's expansion. Sort of like the Linux Foundation is is plays a key role now in the Linux ecosystem. They they pay Linus Torvalds a salary, a lot of things like that. That's sort of the goal of the Bitcoin Foundation. In fact, uh, not to toot my own horn, really, but I just I just thought you know. When the price of Bitcoin crashed, I went over and I just, you know, boom, signed up as a lifetime member of the Bitcoin Foundation because it was like 1.3 Bitcoins. It's like, ah, price is down now. I'm going to go spend it. I know that's <laughs> a bad mentality to have, but I thought, why not sign up? Anyways, they, uh, Gavin Anderson was being interviewed over at Huffington Post, and they, here's the question. They say new Bitcoins are generated or mined when computers succeed at solving increasingly complex equations. I love they're telling this to Gavin. Uh, Bloomberg recently described this mining process as an environmental disaster because of the energy required to power the machines that are working on the problem. Here's what Gavin said. The Bitcoin mining process incentivizes people to be as efficient as possible and use as little power as possible to create Bitcoins to validate the transaction. The more efficient you are, the less you spend on electricity and the more profitable you'll be in the future. Boom. Right there, he goes on to say you can see Bitcoin being used in areas that have lots of sun because it's it's very simple to transport to Bitcoin anywhere in the world. He says you could go to see perhaps people do mining operations where you need heating. 
He, you know, that sounds funny, but that's literally what I do out in my garage. I mine <laughs> Litecoin right now, and as it gets warmer, I'll, I might stop my Litecoin mining. Yeah, that that's actually, um, you know, when uh, uh, we mine LTC went down like a, a day or two ago, I woke up pretty cold in here because I actually use that as a yeah. <laughs> as a, a heater yeah. in here. Yeah, yeah, I I use that uh, I use that to warm the studio, and uh, it sounds funny, but it's just the right because it's an enclosed space, but it's not sealed, so some air leaks in and leaks out. And uh, I have uh, I have a minimum of one GPU, sometimes two GPUs, out in the garage, just mining Litecoin, and it keeps it at just the right temperature. And I actually, I actually think it's better for the equipment too, not to go up and down because if if there's nothing running out there, it'll get you know it'll get down to as low as forty at to, at, the, at the nights right now. And then when I'm out there working, it'll come it'll come up to seventy, and that just seems like a you know in, in, every day that's a kind of a range for all this equipment to come you know in and out of that I that I depend on to do my job so I kind of like that it's also I mean I'm sure I'm doing damage to the video cards long term but you know that's okay I'll replace those I've had them right. for a while now so I, I actually don't think his I, I think what Gavin says you could you could use it in in places that need heating I, I actually don't think that's ridiculous at all yeah, because I mean, their number, their I mean, their, their numbers don't take into account you know the the auxiliary effects of actually mining, which is what exactly what we're talking about here with actually heating a room. Because I don't have to run a heater, I don't run a heater because I got my GPU. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, and uh, you know, it's not crazy. Uh, companies like Facebook build data centers up in the snow now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, why don't we why don't we get onto that topic where uh, I, I think this is the inflation topic, right? Yeah, we we I, I did a a lot of rabbling in the. Uh, in the uh, Bitcoin, in the, our Plan B uh, subreddit. Yeah, you did. But um, it, the guy made me think a lot. So I hope he's listening because I didn't respond um, to his most recent one. But uh, I was looking at the Bitcoin wiki and, and we, we, well, let me go through here. So there are, there are just over two quadrillion maximum possible atomic units, units in the Bitcoin design. So comparing like one Bitcoin to one dollar is, is kind of disingenuous. So That is, isn't it? Because yeah, one Bitcoin is, is, is so much more infinitely diversible than, a, than a one U.S. dollar. Yeah, and we make this connection in our heads because we're always watching, you know, the exchange rate for one Bitcoin for, for whatever, you know, amount of dollars. So the price is relative to the dollar. But in terms of the money supply, the 21 million total Bitcoins isn't really what it seems because within the actual, like, the Bitcoin client, one Bitcoin is equivalent to, like, 100 million Satoshis. Like, they named, they named the smallest currency unit um, within, within the Bitcoin client itself, Satoshis. So, um in, so in the future, with, with, like, with like further adoption, if we potentially, or we potentially won't be thinking of exchanging in a whole Bitcoins, but in tiny fractions of Bitcoins, like BitSense, because they have a, there's like a chart where they have a million different kinds of uh, different uh, gradients of, of smaller and, and larger units uh, of Bitcoin, like wow. terms for them. So in normal, like in normal inflationary currencies, the number of currency units in existence consistently increases, right. which, which is supposedly done to match the demand for these units. So you don't have like deflationary events, because that's why a lot of people are very... Uh, fear deflation a lot is because most of, most of the time in the past, like in the um, 20th and 19th century, deflation occurred kind of radically, like kind of. Right. I mean, the big concern with deflation there is uh, everybody's going to hoard, right? Isn't that what everybody worries is that in. So I think there's I've heard two main arguments about deflation. The first argument I've heard is that, well, deflation is bad because uh, everybody hoards. But the other argument I've heard is deflation is great because it transfers wealth back to the consumers. It gives them uh, a savings, which they can then decide to spend how they want, and because it's so, uh, because you can divide Bitcoin up so much, it really doesn't uh, present itself a major problem. Right, and then twenty million to the twenty million, you know, like like I said, it's kind of disingenuous because 
Bitcoin right. scales by dividing Bitcoins into tiny, tiny, tiny fractions, but not by increasing the total supply, like the total number, like beyond 21 million. So other mainstream currencies don't really have the capacity to divide to this degree, and nor would they really need to because, I mean, obviously what we see in the U.S. and I think what we saw in Canada is that, you know, they're, they're phasing out the penny. So the, these smaller divisions of dollars are becoming less relevant, but that's the opposite with Bitcoins. You don't really need to increase the total, like whole, whole number supply of Bitcoin because we can just... Um, you know, and, uh, continuously divide um, a single Bitcoin into smaller units for exchange. I do kind of honestly think, though. I mean, I don't think anybody denies what you're saying there. I just think people still think that it'll they'll just make them still too valuable. They're still going to be just too valuable. Well, I, I, I'm not sure about the technical aspects of it, but I, I would think in the future, at least, you know, by 2140, whenever the supposed, you know, yeah. supposedly the uh, the final uh, pay, uh, you know, block that gets solved that right. uh, pays out, right. I mean, I would think that they they would be able to increase the the level of divisibility of these you know twenty one million bitcoins. So I mean, you could I, I would think they could still go beyond that point. Well, let me ask you this: I mean, is it almost is it, it is it almost an argument that isn't worth having yet? Because a we're not we're you know we're not even at that point yet. But b realistically, it does appear that it's likely other cryptocurrencies are going to come into play. I mean, we've saw emails, people have said, you know, look at PPS. Uh, obviously, Litecoin seems to have resonated with the audience. And while, yes, Bitcoin has a fixed 21 million rate, or right, 21, 20, yeah, 21, 21 million. I always, for some reason, think it's 22, but it's 21 million fixed rate. Okay. But the reality is there's going to be a lot of other cryptocurrencies that we're going to be able to trade in between, Bitcoin to, to Litecoin, Bitcoin to whatever, and doesn't that because there is just going to be 81 million Litecoins or 84 million, whatever the heck it is, on, on, on the market, that it, it's almost not even worth arguing at this point because that's going to kind of solve part of that deflation problem. Right. And, and it's so yeah, Bitcoin doesn't exist in the void. So we're not going to see, you know, normal fiat currencies, you know, go by the wayside and completely disappear. So the. the there's some debunking that occurs within the uh, the Bitcoin wiki about what they call the deflationary spiral for when, you know, people see that the that the value of Bitcoins or whatever currency is increasing continuously and will do so. So people basically hoard them and don't use them as a means of exchange. So, I mean, that could that could be a problem with Bitcoin because you don't really need to spend Bitcoin because, I mean, right. you're still going to be buying your food in dollars. So as long as long as Bitcoin is competing with these other fiat currencies and Bitcoin isn't like a primary it's not primarily used as a means of exchange, then, you know, it's not. So what you're really saying is that it, it's in order to avoid this hoarder syndrome and, and have it and have it uh, sort of get adopted more, you got to have competing currencies. And, and, and there's nothing. That's the cool thing about Bitcoin is they basically gave everybody the blueprint to, you know, make any modifications they need to to the, you know, the Bitcoin system itself. And you can have, you know, of course, multiple competing currencies because it'd be ridiculous, I mean, for us to, everybody, you know, everybody, everywhere, everything to go to Bitcoin. I mean, it wouldn't be like problematic, I wouldn't think, but I mean, why not have competing currencies that serve different needs? Yeah, I think I, I think a lot of people, uh, two things on that point. I mean, I think a lot of people would operate like I do with Bitcoin. I have a small pool that I use for spending and I do, I use it for Reddit gold. I use it for uh uh, experiments for the show that we'll cover at a future point. Uh, and uh, I use it for paying people services. And I, I then also have a separate stash that I use for my long-term hoarding. And I, that just seems totally and completely logical to me. And when I look at the the functionality that uh, 
something like Litecoin. So not only is Litecoin, I think, going to help with this uh, uh, deflation aspect of Bitcoin. And this this deflation aspect is something that people really rail on because the idea is that as a currency becomes more and more valuable, people start to hold on to it instead of wanting to spend it, is my understanding. Yeah, and, and they're basically saying, you know, that, that mentality continues to you know, expand, like more people adopt that mentality. Right. So eventually the entire market marketplace comes to at least a standstill. A, a, a standstill, stand right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think that's a theory. It hasn't been, it ha I haven't really seen that proven yet, but I think, again, Litecoin, not only does Litecoin mitigate that just because of its very existence and it's interchangeable between Bitcoin, but I think the other reason why Litecoin has some significant advantages to it is because Bitcoin is already an early starter in the market and Litecoin is about as compatible as you can get with Bitcoin, really. So it's not a huge issue. Like somebody could say, so somebody could say, yeah, you can pay us in one Bitcoin or fifty Litecoins for that, and I and it's and you're gonna have wallets that just automatically can you know accept both. And I I just don't think it's. I think the fact that they're so similar is actually going to strengthen them both together. And Litecoin will help offset some of the deflationary uh, aspects of Bitcoin. That's just my personal opinion. I don't know anything about it. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that, though. You know, having a single client that would be able to, you know, handle and, and uh, transmit, you know, multiple types right. of cryptocurrencies. It, That's a really cool idea. Well, of so, course. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think, of course, it's going to happen. And I think, of course, it's going to be Litecoin and Bitcoin at first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. It's very, it's very there, there's, another, there's another kind of uh, crypto coin that I heard about um, that doesn't really have, like, an environmental impact. Like, there's no actual yeah. you know, computing power that's expended for it. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard of that, too. I can't remember what it's called. And then we're going to get in trouble because I think they told us about it. Um, yes. Uh, and I've looked a little more into Ripple, too. And the little more I've looked into it, there's aspects of it I don't like. Like, it's centrally controlled. I, it just seems like one of the most in yeah. fundamental values to Bitcoin is that is that decentralized control. Right. Uh, why don't we cover another good story? Another good yeah. news story. What do you say? And then I got uh, some more stuff for us to dig into. Oh, snaps. Well, I'm glad I quoted it in the show notes because their mailing list isn't loading right now. But are you, you know, you, you absolutely got to be, you must be familiar. Oh, there it goes with the GNOME project, right? You've heard it, mm -hmm. or not, uh, and not just uh, not just any not just any aspect of the known project, but actually specifically uh, the GIMP developers. <laughs> the GIMP. The GIMP. Uh, oh. They have announced that the GIMP is accepting Bitcoin donations, and I thought there was a particular aspect of their announcement that was interesting. They said that uh, they had gotten a lot of requests to take Bitcoin donations, but they didn't want to jump on it because they didn't want to seem like opportunists. They were uh, just trying to uh, get a, take advantage of the high price. But they said it looks like uh, Bitcoin has sort of settled back down again. And uh, we're jumping on board now. Now we're jumping strategy. on board. Now that things have sort of popped and settled down, now we're jumping on board. Huh. So I guess they're wanting you to give them more Bitcoins at a lower price so they can cash out later. Yeah, totally right. <laughs> uh, well, I understand that one. But I just think, uh, I think Bitcoin, being an open source currency, is such an automatic fit with a lot of open source projects who have people all around the world and they have users all around the world of all different currencies and but the one thing they all share in common is they're all on the internet right and it just and it and it's uh you know um it just seems it just seems like philosophically a good fit too so uh, maybe gimp is just a, maybe gimp is just one of the uh, early trendsetters they're not the first but they're one of the first big ones that i've heard of i'm surprised it hasn't become at least more popular in the open source community for donations yeah isn't that weird? Like, because you have to go through a lot of crap, like you do like PayPal, and you have to like claim it under taxes or something, right? Kind of, kind of don't. Does that is that how it works? Once you cash thing? it out, yeah. As long yeah, as it just that, sits in the account, you know, until you go through an exchange, then then you don't have to. And you know, I think 
I think maybe it's because services like BitPay and Coinbase have only been around for a little while. Yeah, that's true. Man, yeah, you know, they, are, they are making it easier, at least for, you know, over on uh, So, so have you seen, we have over on Jupiter Broadcasting. If you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash donate, people, uh, you can uh, you can donate now in Bitcoin. And uh, that's a great way to support the show. And there is, there's a couple downsides to it. I'll tell you about those. But here, let me show you. It's so the way it works. So I have this donate Bitcoins button that is powered by Coinbase. And when you click it, it comes up with the, you know, how much you want to donate. And if you're signed into your Coinbase account, you can just pay right then and there, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a Coinbase account, you can also just, it'll just give you the address. Um, it also gives you a QR code that you can just scan. And, uh, uh, you know, like if you're using a mobile app, which is, have you, oh, it's super easy, man. I don't know if you've tried that, but if you just, I use a, I used a, um, a mobile app to just scan a QR code and send payment. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So if you have one of those, it'll do that as well. And then uh, people can also send uh, their own custom amount that they want, which is really cool. It, we, we allow them to customize their amount they want to donate. And, it, and then Coinbase handles all the transactions on the back end and uh, sends us the Bitcoins. And only problem is, is it doesn't include like their contact info. So I can't like for Unfilter, I can't like automatically just add them to the supporter show and all this kind of stuff. It's, right, yeah. it's a little tricky still, but it's cool. And it makes it really easy. And I think services like that, you know, just start, have to get started adopted by open source projects. Yeah, it's still in its infancy, so it's going to be expanding significantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, last week we saw Mt. Gox completely uh, crap the bed and uh, make an embarrassment of itself. And uh, this week I wanted to play a clip from uh, Mr. Kaiser who reminds us just kind of how early days all of the things are and that everybody listening to this show right now is still very much an early adopter. For people to understand where we are on the chronological progression, the timeline of Bitcoin's acceptance and use as mainstream currency and challenge to fiat currencies, you have to understand that right now the technology of Bitcoin is what I would say pre-Netscape. If you remember, Netscape went public in the early 1990s. And before then, there was no browser, really, that people were using on the internet. There was no way to just jump onto a browser and start surfing the web. It was uh, done in a way that was extremely user-unfriendly. Then you had Netscape, then Netscape went public, and then you had Google, and you had eBay, and you had this whole phenomenon known as the internet. But it's based on that browser technology. Right now, there is no similar ease-of-use technology, and then people will be buying and selling Bitcoins, and will not in any moment ever think about the blockchain or Satoshi or cryptology. It'll never cross their mind. They'll just be buying and selling Bitcoin. But So this is the, the mad dash for to, to be taking advantage of what this is going to be a multi-hundred billion, multi-trillion dollar market. I think it's kind of funny that uh, WWNSX is saying, I can't believe he's comparing to Netscape. I actually think it's a pretty, uh, uh, pretty close analogy of, this, of where in the technological timeline Bitcoin is. Not yeah, it's saying, still really new. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm not saying it's Netscape, but I'm saying it's way, way in its infancy still. And I'll tell you one thing that one thing that really got me excited about Bitcoin again and cryptocurrencies in general, but really Bitcoin is when I got burned. I talked about it in, in the last episode when I got burned and my my uh, my wallet was hacked and the market crashed and I lost a ton of money and I walked away. As the prices continued to decline, there was a there was months of time where I just checked out. I just I kept the Bitcoin subreddit, you know, up in my top links area, but I didn't really ever I didn't go there more than once every three weeks, maybe once a month. I mean, for a couple of months, for a few, for maybe four or five months, I just yeah. totally checked out. 
And I, man, when I came back just to kind of see where things were at, I was blown away at the progress. And it reminded me so much of watching Linux from, you know, the Linux action show is coming on its seventh year now. And when we started doing the Linux action show, there was no Ubuntu. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. Our first episode was like, what's this new thing? And how does its version numbers work? That's what we talked about. Like this weird new project that's going to have GNOME with it. Who's the Shuttleworth guy? Is he Russian? Like we had, you know, I mean, it was seriously. It that, So watching Linux, Bitcoin is where Linux was when Linux Action Show started. It was the butt of a lot of jokes. It was fundamentally misunderstood by tons and tons of tech pundits and people in the press. Uh, it was laughed at in comparison to the commercial offerings by a lot of people, but there was a core group of people who, who got it, who understood it, and moved it forward and evolved it and evolved it. And if you, if you walked away and came back even, you know, two years or so, or, you know, if you want to, you, just, just to test this, go watch episode 100 of the Linux Action Show and then go watch this week's episode of the Linux Action Show and look at the ginormous quantum leap Linux has taken in just 150 episodes. It is amazing 150 weeks it has grown fantastically and bitcoin is on that same trajectory and it's also open source and it, it, it makes sense it's following this trajectory so i think kaiser nails it in a lot of ways yeah i mean yeah i, I don't think about that entirely but we think about it though because i mean satoshi was involved with the project back in 2010 and that's only three years ago and this thing is is to a degree at least marginally sweeping the world so I mean, three years ago, because everybody talks about how this guy just magically disappeared. That's not very long ago that he did. So this thing really hasn't had any popularity. I mean, in the last two years, we're in a very, very short term, you know, a view of it right now. So, yeah, I think you're right. We'll, we'll see it evolve in a way that Linux had. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned he's only been gone for three years and he's always like on the on Bloomberg. They always talk about him like he doesn't really <laughs> exist and all this yeah, stuff. And I always think, hey, you know. He could always pop his head back up and be like, hey, y'all, what's going on? <laughs> Satoshi here. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying, guys? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I think it's funny that everybody, like, harps on that point so much. And the other thing, the other thing that, uh, um, in, in fact, uh, I have a, it's a little, it's a little long. I know I promised I wouldn't do this too much. But before we get to the Litecoin stuff, let me just polish off some Bitcoin talk uh, with this clip that was on uh, Fox Business. And uh, Jeff Brewick, Brewick, I believe, the guy, the guy who's going to be making the Bitcoin ATM was invited on the show. Because these guys, these guys talk money all the time. And the elephant in the room is this interview is taking place while gold's uh, market value is just t tanking. So it was it was a couple days ago, and and it was it was just a bad day for gold. Crashing. I know that's a very very strong word to use in financial terms, but crashing it is. It's down 105 bucks. Question: What about the virtual market crash? Remember, last week the value of the online currency Bitcoin surged past 200 bucks. Then it took an absolute nosedive. It crashed. Bitcoin's value crashed. Joining us now is the chief editor of the Dollar Vigilante, and he's a Bitcoin... Which is, you know, I don't like it so much people say that. First of all, <clears throat> Bitcoin itself did not crash. Mt. Gox crashed. The price of Bitcoin went down a lot. A lot. But yeah, within, but if you look at the, the range within, yeah, I'm going to like take over for you. I mean, if you look three uh, three months back in the past, we were nowhere near where we're at right now. It was like and it, $13 in January, dude. And it's $68 right now. I mean, if this thing goes down to $25, that's still a decent gain. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, and like, and anybody who follows uh, who follows early markets knows that par- partially, a this is part of the money distribution of how you get bitcoins in and out and throughout throughout new hands and in, and get new blood in the system, and b it's much better for Bitcoin to come down in price for a little while. It eases off on the infrastructure. It lets people continue to build up services. Mt. Gox is already doing much much better. Uh, still need to be replaced, but you know all this stuff like. It's crashed. It's crashed. It, we we're like we're like twenty seconds into this, and he said that like three or four times. It's obnoxious. Coin entrepreneur Jeff Berwick. Jeff, welcome back. Thank you, Stuart. Let me get this clear here. Your side of the Bitcoin story is that you put out, or you want to put out, ATMs. So you're the point of contact where I put in my U.S. greenback dollars, and I get back bitcoins. Is that correct? That's correct. I'm sure that in the past week, people have said to you, Jeff. It's a scam. Answer the question. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I'd like to point out that gold and Bitcoin are quite different markets. Sure. Uh, the, uh, the, there's many different variables happening in both markets. Uh, Bitcoin's a new evolving currency. Uh, and uh, because of that, and it's a very small market, the total market cap of Bitcoin is $1 billion. Uh, so we're only back to where Bitcoin was at the start of this month. Uh, so it has been quite volatile. It will continue to be volatile. This is an emerging currency. People are really trying to gauge if it will become a real currency. Yeah, but th- look, I don't know who started Bitcoin. It's anonymous, right? Okay. I don't know who runs the thing right now. Now, you're asking me to put my money into an operation where I don't know the founder, I don't know who's running it, I don't know where it's run from, all I've got is rumor, and now a crash. Well, what you've just described is the same with the Federal Reserve. No one really knows who owns the Federal Reserve. Oh, no, come on, come on, you can't say that. The Federal Reserve has been around for 100 years. They're a notable operation. (laughs) They're somewhat similar to central banks all the way around the world. You cannot say that nobody knows who owns the Federal Reserve. Well, do you know who owns it? Isn't it owned by major banks? <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> well, he, his previous point was about the founder. He's very concerned with the individual who created yes, it. But right. it, it seems he lost interest in that part later on. Well, and the reality is is that it, it's it's sort of like uh, it doesn't matter because the code's there. Anybody can see it. Anybody can look at it. And turns out millions of people have, right? So in some ways, it's it's a moot point. And that, I know that sounds like it's an easy answer, but it's the reality. It's it's. It's sort of like it's sort of like many other open source projects where the people who originate them step away, and then the community continues them forward, like the Bitcoin Foundation and and a lot of people that work with that. So yeah, it's 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 a point that is a pretty weak point to begin with, really. Right. Definitely. See, no one knows. Isn't that, isn't that it? <laughs> uh, no is, one really knows. There's there's no actual conclusive conclusive evidence. Uh, the best I know evidence. who runs it. His name is Ben Bernanke. Right. I know who runs it. Right. I know where he lives, and I can go ask him questions. That's the best. Can you thing. say the same thing about Bitcoin? Well, that's the best thing about Bitcoin. Can you tell running. me who runs Bitcoin? Uh, no one does. It's run by the people. Can you tell me who started it? I was started apparently by someone under the name uh, Sakamoto in Japan, but that's not the important part. Uh, well, no, no, it is the important point. You're asking consumers to have a sense of confidence in a virtual currency, but you cannot tell me the name of the person who started it, where the operation is, is, is founded. You it, can't tell me. It's not really important because it's open source software. So you can look at the software and you can see that no one can control this currency. And so that's very exciting. We don't need a person in a beard in a, in a boardroom to control a currency. That's Soviet-style planning. Okay. The uh, two identical twins, Facebook people, I've forgotten their name, actually. but they On Twinklebees. Whatever. Right. They own $11 million worth of Bitcoin. Vinkle, the Vinkle Voss, is that correct? Vinkle. I love how he thinks he's got him with this one. Like, yeah, gotcha. What are you going to do now, ATM boy? Boss, okay. <laughs> They've got a big position. Yeah, good for them. 
<laughs> How come Bitcoin went from a $200 value? I looked at it at this morning around 98. How come? Uh, well, it started the year at 15, so it's very volatile. It's very small. And so people are really trying to gauge if this is going to become a real currency. If it becomes more and more used as a real currency, it will continue to go up as demand goes up. If it doesn't turn out to be a real currency that people use in day-to-day -day life, it could go to zero. So it's, uh, this is what the markets are trying to gauge right now. It's a very interesting time. Have you got an ATM on the market where I put in my U.S. dollars and I get bitcoins back? Uh, we're got one going we're doing a press uh, launch next week in Los Angeles or San Diego. That's where the first... ATMs will be. That's right. The first time where you actually take my money off me. Is that correct? Or give you a Federal Reserve notes uh, from your Bitcoin account. We do it both ways. You do? Yes. A Federal Reserve note from my Bitcoin account? Yeah. What's that mean? Well, that's what the what? dollar bill no. is. If you look, that's know? I know, it's Fox Business too. <laughs> Written on the dollar bill, it says Federal Reserve note. You might also notice <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. It's great. <laughs> Uh, you know, so I am really excited about this Bitcoin ATM. Is it going to happen? I don't know. I, if it does, I hope it does while it's under 100 because I'll tell you, I wanted to spend money today. I wanted to buy Bitcoin, but uh, I screwed up. So I I was, uh, last time we were on, last time we did the show, I think I was like in position 6,000 or something in the Mt. Cox queue. Today, this morning, uh, so one week later, I was reviewed and uh, I misunderstood their instructions. Oh. Didn't attach all of... I, they not only wanted a utility bill and uh, uh, something else, but they also wanted... I can't remember what the other something else was. But they also wanted a state-issued ID. And I thought it was I thought it was a utility bill or a state-issued ID. So I had huh. to re-upload that image and then resubmit for verification. And I am now in position 28,000. So that puts you at the very back of the queue? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's not nice. Yeah, and and so they're wondering. So a good good question from Technomatic Jim: Why the hell am I using Mt. Gox? You know, <laughs> I, I actually think I'm writing them off at this point. The main reason was is because I had my Dwala account. I had the money pre-transferred in my Dwala account, and once I got verified in Gox, I was just going to blast the money from Dwala onto onto Gox and 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 pick up some coins. The so what I have learned, and now actually BitInstant warns you, is what I have learned is for some reason in some cases. If you have a pre-existing Dwala balance, and then you go to do a transfer, like at a new at a new service, and you try to withdraw that existing balance, it flags you for fraud. Hmm. However, if you have a Dwala account and you do a withdrawal through Dwala, and Dwala then has to go initiate a transfer from your bank account, that passes generally. So um, there's a new exchange uh, that is up and running. I can't remember the name of that. They also take Dwala transfers. I'm going to try them out. I'm going to see what they can do. But I'm also checking out something called, I think it's called Bictionary. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But uh, it's over at uh, Bictionary.com. I'll have a link in the show notes. And what Bictionary is, is, is if you're familiar with the, uh, there's a Bitcoin OTC over-the-counter trading IRC. Well, I, I think maybe this is like that only productized and done a lot better. So this it's a it's a Bitcoin peer-to-peer -peer exchange. Now, not peer-to-peer -peer in the sense it doesn't have a central server, but peer-to-peer -peer in the sense that people put orders up there for selling or buying, and they facilitate the transaction through their service and their site. And they have an escrow, um, and they let you uh, they let you communicate and message directly with the seller, so you can make an offer. And you can use whatever they're willing to use. So some people, and here's the big thing for a lot of people, because they're willing, because because Bictionary is doing escrow, 
They're allowing, if the seller allows it, people to pay with PayPal to get Bitcoins. That's a that's a that's a pretty good idea, though. Yeah, yeah. And here I'll show you. So, uh, so let's see if it's working right now. Um, and it it all it's essentially it's Craigslist for Bitcoins. Maybe that's not right. But so here here's the uh, open here's the open order book, and you can see people buying and selling. And there's a reputation system. And you can also filter by local. So if you just want to do an in-person like cash transaction, it'll help. It'll help connect you with those people. And uh, people see have different levels of verification. Like some people just have their email and phone number, and some people have linked like their Facebook and their Twitter and their LinkedIn profile. And then that helps towards their uh, reputation score. And you can filter based on the most trusted and, and total number of trades they've done and things like that. And I think something like Bitionary. I think you take something like this, but I would like to see this. I would like to be able to set up like my own group and my own list in Bictionary. Like, wouldn't it be cool if we had like a group of Jupiter broad? If they allowed groups and we could have a Jupiter Broadcasting group, and you knew everybody in this group was a buyer and seller that was also a listener to Plan B. Not that that really does anything, but it's maybe one more level of trust, and right, it, right. and it's outside Mount Gox, and that's what's good about all of this is it's outside. Now, some of these people will just transfer to a Mt. Gox account for you. Some of these people will just give you the Bitcoins, whatever it is. And I think this is really kind of maybe a one potential solution to the Mt. Gox problem that is a sort of a different approach. It's more person to person. It's going to be a little slower, right? You're not, this isn't where, you, this isn't yeah, where you're yeah. day trading. This is right. where you're going to buy a bunch of Bitcoins you want to invest in and you got some money in a PayPal account. Hmm. So you so you just initiate a pay, like a PayPal payment to these guys they hold an escrow and then they just yeah. go from there. Yeah, that's I haven't oh. done it yet, but that's my understanding. And I might try it if I could, you know, cuz there's somebody on here who's selling like 0.25 bitcoins uh for $32 on PayPal and I see they've done they've done 27 previous trades. And they also tell you like how long they've been an account holder. So I can see like this guy's only had an account for 18 hours, but this yeah. guy's had an account for six days. I mean, it's brand new. Bictionary.com, brand new. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, I don't know. Might be a way to kind of also get some bitcoins off the grid a little bit, although it kind of works on a verification and trust system. So, kind of have to put yourself out there. But that might be because I really I ran into a wall at this point where uh, I tried. I even I even broke down and decided to try to use Coinbase because I figured, you know, we're we're kind of in an adjustment period for a while. I would I would guesstimate, and right. so I yeah, thought me too. even if Coinbase can't get me my bitcoins until Friday, I'll go with that. It's probably still going to be at a price that where it's not a huge difference either way. I hope. Right. But yeah, and you can always flip it on Gox. <laughs> Coinbase is like, nope, sorry. Rolling 24-hour period. I just tried spamming the buy button a few times. I got nothing. <laughs> so I can't Gox it because they won't verify me. And I can't bit instant because I'll get flagged for fraud because I already have money in my Dwala account. So really, my other options are BitFloor and things like that, but I, I want to do it electronically. I want to do it all online. So yeah. yeah, this might be the way to go. I actually have to check it out too because i got a buddy that's trying to get into it. Fictionary. Maybe they want to advertise on the show in the future if they take off. Because I think that's kind of a neat deal. Uh, And you know, uh, speaking two things, you guys, for the show, is we want to start doing interviews in the show. We're just kind of getting our sea legs first. And, uh, you know, the show's got a lot of of ground we could cover with people who are making Bitcoin-related services or projects or sites. So if you've got any suggestions, uh, hopefully uh, you you already know about this. But if you don't, just go to jupiterbroadcasting.com and click on the contact link top of our website and then choose Plan B in the drop-down. Or email us planb at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Or you can call us. You can always give us a suggestion that way or text it to us. Uh, 352-58-PLAN-B. 352-58-PLAN-B for the phone number. Now here's the thing though. Is you can give us names. Anybody can come up with names. 
I mean, any you know, you might as well you might as well just send in any you know anybody's name. It really helps us out if you can give us some links. Maybe if you know their Twitter profile, if you know uh, a contact form they have somewhere. If you can anything that helps in that area, because that just helps uh, us with the production of the show. It's a nice way to you know kind of keep us going. And also, it really doesn't help us just to pick out a random name that you like. It helps us if you can actually you know help. Yeah. Hey, talk production. to this guy. See you. Yeah. The other thing too is if you know somebody who's working or you yourself are working on a Bitcoin related service or project, uh, we're going to start doing some experimental advertisers. I think, Drew. I don't know. I want I want to only feature Bitcoin stuff though. So if we do that, if we do take advertisers, I want them to be Bitcoin services. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find some something. Some good people for so it. if you guys have any suggestions or ideas out there, or you want to try being a trial sponsor, uh, let's see what can we do. Let's see. Uh, let's see. We could do uh, two Bitcoins and we'll split it fifty fifty. And we'll have somebody can be our first trial Bitcoin sponsor if they want to take up take us up on it. And we'll advertise something. I don't know. Seems like you'd have to be selling Bitcoin somethings. We'll sell. We could advertise your Silk Road profile in our uh, Silk Road episode. Submit <laughs> <laughs> your name, your email address, and your address. Actually, that might, there, might, there might be a market <laughs> you, for that, Jeff. man. Think about that. Like, uh, check out uh, so and so's great deal on Silk Road. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> All right. Before I get myself in too much trouble, why don't we shift gears and and talk about the topic that I think. Uh, Everybody wants us to really talk about seals with clubs. I wonder, you know, see, I wonder how people feel about a gambling site because I have zero issue with responsible adults using their internet fun box money to play cards online. I have like not even the slightest tinge of moral issue with that at all. To me, that seems completely legit. How do you, Drew, feel about this important moral issue? I absolutely agree because there are two consensual adults that engage in a victim, like a transaction where there is no victim. Both people seek to exchange, you know, um, you know, their services, you know, go gamble. I was actually checking out the uh, the uh, Minecraft thing yesterday. Oh, the Bit Vegas? Yeah, I mean. I tried to get a hold of that guy to come on the show today and he didn't get back to me. Oh, we should be able to get him though. That'd be pretty cool. I want to talk to that guy. Yeah. If you guys have not been to bitvegas.net, uh, one of these, one of these, you know what we got to do is uh, uh, like maybe one of these weeks when we cover our, we're going to do it. We'll do an episode on it. And uh, afterwards, we should just have everybody hang out on the live stream and come join us in Bit Vegas. Because one time I, w- I, w- I was checking it out and I mentioned on Google Plus, oh, this is so cool. Look, it's an entire casino inside a Minecraft universe. This just makes a ton of sense. I, I posted that on on uh, on uh, Google Plus and the next thing I knew, all these people started joining Bit Vegas and we're all <laughs> hanging out in the casino. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I mean, they, they got, I mean it, it's actually a social thing. So, you know, like when you play like Bit Xeno and stuff, you're just playing against, you know, an, an AI. Yeah. But when you're in there, you know, there's a bunch of people walking around, you know. Yeah, there's a guy playing a game. You got to wait for him, but uh, they got like pig racing, and they got a they have a bunch of games, don't they? Yeah, they're adding games all the time, and there's some hidden rooms you can go just find stuff in, and they've got uh, like, uh, um, um, what's the uh, the mine game in uh, Windows? I'm totally trying to blank. Minesweeper. Off. Minesweeper. They have like a minesweeper gambling kind of thing, and it's the the idea is really cool, and uh, they've had a few. I don't know if it's like an ongoing thing, but they've had a few like, hey, you just logged in, you get some, uh, you know. Well, here's a little here's a little play money. Have some fun. Like they've had little little promos like that too. Yeah, and, and for people that join it, I mean, you don't you don't have to like drop in a bunch of bitcoins and, and start going. You can you can play with play money. You know. Whenever. Yeah. Oh, that's all I've played with actually myself. I haven't had the uh, sack, but uh, my, I'm <laughs> we should do that for a show if we do anything live. <laughs> play oh, some blackjack and you know, drop an actual real oh, yeah. life bitcoin. Oh yeah, and it. record it. That'd be yeah. that'd be excruciatingly fun. We'll oh. do it so I'll lose and, and everybody can laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, uh, hold on a second here. Let me turn this on and uh, go like this. So that way we have, oh, dang it, it's over. There was a big rally going on during the show. Uh, hey, at least right. it didn't crash. I mean, that's a good sign. Maybe we'll actually uh, 
continue the show. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that, you know, it was one of the emails we got. It's like, hey, now that the now that it's popped, are you guys not going to do the show? <laughs> now, now, now that the excitement's gone, it's like, oh, hey. You see, now we got some good, uh, good karma coming from the show. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, "No, man, we're we're in this for the long haul. This, like, you know, Bitcoin is in the early stages. This show is just as in the early stages. This show is going to change a lot as Bitcoin changes. And it's just, you know, as we kind of figure it out. And it's like, no, we're just now getting started because we want to be part of the early adopters. Whatever, whatever the cryptocurrency future is. Speaking of future cryptocurrencies, let's take our, uh, let's do our Litecoin segment because I think that's what everybody's actually been waiting for." Um, let's kick it off with an email from Matthias. He says, uh, Hey, Chris and Drew, uh, I just started mining Bitcoin and Litecoin, both on CPU, and I found that I can mine Bitcoin and the system will run just as smooth as if I wasn't mining at all. With, uh, however, with Litecoin, it'll make my system very laggy and jaggedy. Therefore, I find I'm mining Litecoin when I'm not using my computer and Bitcoin when I am using my computer. Your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I'd be curious to know what application he's using to mine. Because, I mean, you should be able to set the number of threads. So I'd assume he's on a multi-core system. So he should be able to, you know, configure, you know, just a single thread for CPU mining and then not have that kind of lag. And maybe he's on maybe he's on a GPU, uh, GPU that's integrated in the motherboard and he's got, you know, shared memory. Maybe that's, you know, giving him some lag since it's more memory intensive for uh, uh, the Litecoin mining. Yeah, yeah. I, I um... So I guess I'd back up even one step further. I would I would question mining Bitcoin on the CPU. I think you're just burning carbon yeah, at that point. If you, not, if you need a heater, go ahead. But yeah, I, would, I mean, I wouldn't do it with a GPU. Your chances, yeah, exactly. I, both Drew and I have the hardware to mine Bitcoins on several GPUs, and we opt not to because it even on GPUs, several GPUs, even you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you've got three or four GPUs, then maybe it's getting worth it. Me my myself during the day I'm I'm running maybe two GPUs just to mine Litecoins and I don't even I don't even feel, in fact the numbers show it Litecoin is is substantially more profitable to mine on the GPU right now than Bitcoin is. That's that's a huge factor because I mean you're generating a tiny fraction of a Bitcoin with it, but the the the, the magnitudes for the Bitcoin or for the Litecoins that you're earning through your mining, right. if the price rises, the, the magnitudes of your profit significantly increase relative to the it's, Bitcoin. It's a bit of hedging. It goes like, go ahead. It's a bit of hedging. A little yeah. bit. I mean, you're assuming Litecoin's going to go up, and you're taking advantage of the low difficulty right now. Oh, oh, there's another big rally. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to get distracted. By the price. <laughs> See, I just the problem is I have it up on two screens right now. Um, all right, so uh, I would actually question if you even should be bothering Bitcoin mining on your CPU. I would say it probably is partially because Bitcoin is not as memory intensive, and and also it's probably just the different. Maybe it's hard to say with depending on what software you're using. Uh, but Litecoin right now is probably still at the point where you could run it on your CPU and see a little bit of success, success especially if you're in a, in a, in a pool. Right, yeah. You, you don't want to, yeah, you would not want to do any CPU mining outside of a pool. That's nuts. So we've talked about this on-air and off-air a lot, but uh, one of the things that we think is going to bring up the value of Litecoin is uh, Mt. Gox has, uh, this isn't really official, but they have already have an API up for Litecoin prices. It's not populated with data yet, but the API feed's actually already up and live. But in an AMA uh, recently after the crash, uh, we are the, the title was "We Are Mount Gox AMA," and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, they were said, "When are you gonna?" It was asked, "When are you gonna bring on support for other cryptocurrencies?" The uh, Mount Gox representative answered, "We were scheduled to launch a new cryptocurrency this week, but recent events have taken precedence, and we're looking in one to two weeks. But it will happen. That's Litecoin. Definitely, yeah." Because they, 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 had, they had hinted at Litecoin specifically prior to that, I think. 
So it has to be what they're talking about. Yeah, and B- but, BTCE already, uh, that's what you, you've you been using, right? Yeah, I've been doing all my, my Litecoin, um, um, trading losses over at BTCE. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all your losses. <laughs> <laughs> but you need to, yeah, I mean, if Gox um, takes Litecoins or starts, you know, aligning for trades of Litecoins, the volume, must, I would think, would increase significantly. So, I mean, I think we could see... Uh, you know, I shouldn't be doing this, but we could probably see a significant uptick in the price, but don't trust me. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, there's a, I'll link to this in the show notes too. There's a thread over on the Litecoin subreddit that is titled why Litecoin is set to skyrocket. And this guy kind of tries to work through why he thinks Litecoin is in a good position when you combine the, <clears throat> here's the number one thing that he touches on that I, I kind of think as well. The difficulty is low right now. But as ASICs start to come online, I think I've probably said this already, but as ASICs start to come online, those guys, those GPU miners are going to transition over to Litecoin. I mean, that's what Drew and I have already done. And that's probably what a lot of people have already done as well. I mean, because the difficulty has gone up pretty significantly um, really recently. It already is. Yep. 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 It's already on the way up. Yep. Exactly. So you combine, but it's still, I mean, it's still at the point where Bitcoin was like in 2011, back when, you know, I was mining that. And it, and it, and like the software still needs a lot of work. I know we talked about this last week, but I still am not impressed at all. And I've tried a lot of different stuff. I still think it's substandard software. But hopefully as this gets more attention, that'll start getting picked up again. Because also, I was surprised at how infrequently the Litecoin software is revved. Like some of the stuff, some of the code hasn't been touched for a couple of months. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah. So And they only have like a single wallet because like Bitcoin has like a bunch of different um, mm-hmm. line apps now, right? Come on, Electrum. Come on, Electrum. Uh, and then we got one last Litecoin-related email. And then uh, you and I can share our Litecoin adventures of the week, okay? Okay. This one came in from David. And uh, David wrote, uh, the last two links are about pooling. And I was wondering, you know, we'll include those in the show notes. And I was wondering if you guys had any plans to do a Jupiter Colony mining pool. I'd happily join a mining pool if I knew that some of it was going towards supporting Jupiter Broadcasting and all the shows. I think this would be a really unique way to engage your Plan B listenership in supporting you in the same way affiliate links and GoDaddy codes support Last and the other shows. I love the idea of building, we talked about doing this for Bitcoin back in the day, of a Jupiter mining pool. And there is like, this is one area where Litecoin is kind of kicking ass, is like right out of the gate, there's a bunch of guides on setting up your own private P2P pool where, you know, it's public, right? But anybody, you know, but only people who watch the the shows would know about it. Right. And uh, it, there's no like, uh, there's no like, I don't think there's like a central payout system. It's just everybody works together collaboratively and the payouts instantly go to your wallet as, as you find stuff. Mm-hmm. It looked really neat. So if anybody out there wants to contact us and maybe set something up like that, because I don't think there's time in our days to set that up, but that would be so cool if we all work together and if I if I remember right, even if it's a smaller ratio of people, it, it still works out to to actually be a pretty profitable exercise. So if you want to if you want to head up a Litecoin mining pool operation for us, uh, let us know. Email the show Plan B at JupiterBroadcasting dot com. All right, Mister Drew, how was your adventures in Litecoin mining this week? Um, pretty good. Uh, my like I said before, my mining pool or one that I was using went down, so got a little chilly in here. My little puppy was uh, kind of freaking out, <laughs> oh, wiggling around. I woke up and I was like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> Why is it not working? Where's my heater? But uh, I, I got, uh, I think I got 12 Litecoins now that are mined. So it's going all right. Yeah, I, uh, I, I haven't switched away from Burnside yet. I know. Oh. I know. But the reason was, is it's been up and I just, I wanted to, I wanted to get to a certain milestone and then cash out and then move. Uh, and But since they've been working, I haven't decided to jump yet. I went off and decided, 
I have an Ubuntu 12.10 machine that is an Xbox Media Center machine up in my bedroom. It's got an ATI 6 or 5 Hi5 series card in there. Ideal for mining. And it just sits there, sleeping, saving power. (laughs) (laughs) It's begging for you to kill the environment. Please, please. So I'm thinking, you know, Xbox Media Center is only used a few hours a night, if at all. I could just set up a little cron job that turns it off for a couple hours at night, right? So I went down the path of trying to set up Reaper on Ubuntu 12.10. And I don't know what my problem was, but I just did not. I, I, I absolutely could get CPU down no problem. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't, I couldn't get Reaper to build. I couldn't find like a pre-done anything at all. It was all download source code, install CMake install build essentials and compile it yourself and get it set up. And, and, and I was just failing on my face for some reason. So if anybody has any suggestions for me, I'd really appreciate that for GPU mining. I can get the open CL and all the drivers set up. I can get all that working. It's not perfect, but it's totally doable. And I've done all that, but it's just this last part of actually getting the Litecoin GPU mining part working with Reaper or whatever. I don't know what I should be using. I'm totally falling on my face. And here's the other problem I'm facing. And this is why I need help from any Linux guys out in the audience. The wife wants me to put Windows on there. And I don't want to do it, guys. But the wife wants Netflix. And she wants it in the Media Center application. She's getting sick of having to close it and launch Wine. It's understandable. So I'm up up against a lot of pressure here, you guys. So I need (laughs) you to got to make that heater argument, man. Well, unfortunately, it's getting warmer out. I know. Yeah, we're really planning for it. Yeah, yeah. And she's uh, she's six months pregnant, and so in a few months she's going to be in that bed wanting, uh, you know, full on fledged media center functionality. So I got to get this dialed in. I'm yeah, on you don't a, want her dealing with wine, you know. I got a ticking, I got a ticking baby time clock here, people. So you gotta you gotta save me if you can help me if you can get me situated. I'd love. And then if you can give if we can come up with something if we, if it's if there's not a complete guide out there because I found some stuff in other languages and I've found some stuff for I found everything for Bitcoin. Oh, I could mine bitcoins all day long if I wanted to. <laughs> But for Litecoin, I'm not finding it. If we can get something good and concise, then I'll give it a little uh, how-to here in the show. Yeah, sounds good. I, I can't get it working under Linux. Like, I, I'm unfortunately in Windows back uh, now. It kind of sucks. I feel bad because I don't have Amarok anymore. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can. I tried for like, you know, 30 seconds, but I was like, I got to get mine and got to get my money. <laughs> Trying to get my money back on this thing. Oh, yeah. There we go. We just broke into 70. Listen to that sucker. Go. <laughs> Wow! Not that we should care about the price, though. <laughs> Not that we care about uh, seventy-one. Wow. Well, we don't care about the price. We don't care about the price. Uh, but uh, sometimes we care about the price. Sometimes. <laughs> it's nice. Sometimes. I, every every morning I wake up, wake up at like you know four a.m. and I look at my little ticker. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's like, oh come on, let's get the day started good. So are you are you checking the price at least once a day? Yeah, I have uh, Litecoin and Bitcoin uh, widgets on my end, on my uh, Nexus, and yeah. I try to keep the tabs down when I'm when I'm working. But uh, I've kind of been looking at it a little bit. I, I'm just I'm just happy it's stabilized. As long as we just sit here, just sit. Everybody be content with just sitting here for a month or two, right? Right. So I agree. I I think I think I think even f- no, I, I shouldn't say this on air, but because I, I don't want to jinx anything, but I think even fifty dollars is a good healthy price for Bitcoin, where it's 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 cheap enough that people can buy into it. But it's expensive enough that it's valuable uh, for people who are learning about it the first time. So they see that number and that's, oh, okay, okay, boy, $50, $50 gets me, well, okay. You know, so I think that's a good, I think that's a good range. I think any, too much more above 100 and you start pricing people out. And yeah. I go back to, 
And I hear about this from people all the time, and I just experienced it today myself. I have money in hand that I have set aside for Bitcoin, and I, and, and it's, it's like the last money I probably am going to spend on Bitcoin in a, for a very, very long time. And I've set it aside, and I want to spend it, and I can't. Like, I can't buy Bitcoins unless I go do the cash purchase thing, and I just don't want to do that this morning. Yeah, so, right. I just my, think, my, it's, I think that's a huge problem. My grand on it. Like, he, he, we, we were looking for ways to make it very easy, not not to go to the cash route, but it's like, yeah. you know, like when wire money to Mountain Gox takes two to five days, he's had to go through all this crap, he has to call a bank to do it. It's like, why can't I just get a credit card and go, you know, here's 500 bucks, you know, you wait like a day to you know, make sure the payment's good and I don't, I don't you know, revoke it or anything, and we just go from there. Like, it, there's, there's still too much of a hurdle to get money into it, I think. I agree. I agree. And I think once that problem is solved, um, so, you know, BitPay is taking care of it on the transaction side. People, they're getting a ton of good press. They're, they're making, they're making uh, a lot of sense because they're just being, their function is a payment network with a 1% transaction fee, which is better than any, anything anybody else can offer. Now we just got to get the problem solved on the other side. And it, a lot of Bitcoin's health problems with these drops, I believe, uh, first of all, one, I know we're trying to wrap up, but one more thing. Nobody mentioned the fact that maybe tax day had a little bit to do with this Bitcoin drop too. Wow. Right? Yeah, I mean, it was I think about that. It was like, what was it, April 13th or 14th? Maybe people were cashing out some of their Bitcoin profits to to make them feel better about... I mean, I know I just wrote a nice check to Mr. Taxman because I'm a self-employed uh, person. And if I yeah, had, I if I had, you know what, honestly, Drew, honestly, if I had big money in Bitcoins, I, I bet my wife would have been kind of like, you know, suggesting to me, you know, maybe we should catch some of those out to cover the cost of this because we don't really have the money for this. Right, yeah. Oh, and there goes the sale. It's sliding down again. Oh. So I wonder, so, I, you know, that crash, I think, had a lot of things, a lot of, uh, there's a lot, the DDoS, Mount Gox's fails, um, the potentially people trying to maybe cash out for tax day. I think a lot of factors played into it. And another one of those important factors was that there's just a drought of money getting into Bitcoin. It is so ridiculous. I, I, I just... So ridiculous. And plus, I mean, a positive aspect for the for the future price is still that the fact that you're twenty eight thousand in the queue. So these people are not they're not joining Gox, you know, to to, to just sit there and not do anything. They're looking into actually purchasing the market. They could so. be looking to sell, but uh, I think you know now that I've gone through that queue two times now because I'm a moron. I think it's also a lot of people who are doing the same thing I am, because there's no error checking in the, in the process. So you sign up, and if you don't submit oh, the sucks. right paperwork, they're they're not doing any validation. You just wait till you get to that point. So I bet a lot of people are ending back up in the queue and they're creating themselves. Yeah, that's true. That, there's got to be a lot of duplication then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. All right, man. Was there anything else we should cover before we get out of here? I think we're good. All right. Well, I want to say thank you to the chat room for joining us. You guys are awesome over at jblive.tv. We appreciate you guys. And uh, don't forget, also, we've got that subreddit over at planbshow.reddit.com. Got some good threads going in there. We're always looking for links. Grabbed a few of them for this show from there. So go check out the Plan B subreddit. And uh, we'll have that linked. And uh, join us at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. GMT over at jblive.tv. And don't forget, you can call the show now, which is really cool. And we would love to hear you. Just 1-352-587-5262. And uh, leave us a little voicemail or send us a text. Or you can email the show, planb at jupiterbroadcasting.com. And if you'd like to contribute and tip us, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Or you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash donate. Or let us know if you want to become a trial sponsor. That could be cool too. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Plan B. See you right back here next week. <laughs>